Good morning. It's so good to see each and every one of you. Hope you're having a good day. Want to say welcome to all those tuning in on Facebook uh, and podcast. Thanks for listening in. Social media. Glad you're with us also. Uh, we're in a series called Worship. This is week four. Uh, so if you, maybe this is the first time in the series or maybe you missed a couple uh, good news, you can go back and catch up on the podcast or on our Facebook Live, and that way you can catch up on what was been said, because uh, there's some components to this that uh, today what we're talking about it builds upon uh, the other weeks that we've been talking about. And we said that worship like behavior is inside out. Our worship, just like behavior, is inside out. We tend to think um, that um, our behavior is external only, right? And we, we focus on trying to change things on the outside. Well, I showed you the, what's called the results cycle. And the results cycle says this, that your beliefs are going to impact your, your behaviors, which will then impact the quality of relationships with people or things, which then will give you the results that you're having. Most people want to start at behavior. And one of the reasons we didn't start this whole series with behavior and the externals and outside is because of this principle, is life really doesn't start on the outside, it starts on the inside. So we talked about the thought process, we talked about our thought life, we talked about the heart the first couple of weeks. Now today we're going to talk about the external part, our hands, right, our actions, but it really, our, our, our beliefs and our values are, are found deep within us, the core of who we are, our heart, um, and then it affects our behavior. So today we're going to talk about behavior, but we have to understand that when it comes to life, what we choose to worship will affect the results that we get in life. So he's saying, pay attention to what you worship because you'll become like that. And God is saying, this is why I want you to worship me because I'm a good God has full of grace and mercy and kindness. And when you worship God, you begin to have those same things in your life that he has, that he gives to us, that he allows to be produced in us. Um, so they affect us. Uh, John 4, 23 to 24. Uh, this is the verse that the whole series is built around. Jesus is talking uh, to a woman about worship. And he says this, it's who you are and the way you live that count before God. It's who you are and the way you live. We tend to only focus on the way we live first. And God is saying, no, no, I'm concerned about who you are. Because this is what, what God knows, that he's, he's concerned more with who, we, who we're becoming and who we are than just what we do. We tend to think it's all about what we do, and we forget that, no, it's, it's really who you are that matter. Like, he cares about both, but it always starts internally, and then it works its way out externally. It's who you are and the way we live. And this is the reason he's so concerned with who we're becoming, because he knows that whoever we become, we always reproduce who we are. So if we're a jerk, we can expect to reproduce more jerks around us, right? And we'll bleed into that. If you're a person that has grace and love and mercy in your life, you'll reproduce more people that have grace and mercy and love in your life because he knows that we reproduce who we are. Uh, not what we do, but who we are. And uh, so he's saying pay attention to that. In fact, he says your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. So worship must engage first the inside, the, the unseen, and then engage the external, the, the, the seen, the outside. That's the kind of people the Father is looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do out of their very being the spirits, their spirits, their truth selves in adoration. So he's saying this is the kind of person God is looking for, somebody that's, on the, that, that's doing it from the inside and the outside, that their motives are correct, that, that they understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. This bleeds out from into the whole week, not just on Sunday. See, a lot of times we think um, worship is just about a Sunday experience, right? We come, we sing songs, and that's part of it. Uh, but, it, it but God is saying, I want it to move beyond that. Uh, Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10, look at this progression, that, the, the things that God is looking at. The eye of the Lord search the heart. I examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. So notice these three parts, the head, the heart, and the hands, right? The, the, the actions that we do. He's saying, these are the things I'm concerned about when it comes to, human, to, to humans is, are, are, their heart is in the right place. Is their mind, are they, are they paying attention to what they're, they're, they're fixing their attention on? 
And then are their actions, the things that they're doing, is it, is it good? Uh, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reward each person according to what they're, they're doing. Um, so today I want to talk about action. I want to talk about the, the, the behavior part of it, the outside, the external. Uh, what does this look like for us when it comes to worship? You know, when we, when we think of worship in, in, our, in our bodies, Paul says in Romans 12 that we should offer our bodies as living sacrifices, that this is the true form of wor- uh, spiritual worship, right? So when we make a choice to say, God, I'm going to say no to the things that I want so that I can obey and follow your, your way, that's a living sacrifice. It's saying no to what my flesh wants or my desires want so I can say yes to what you want. Uh, Jesus was the picture of a living sacrifice, right? He gave his whole life uh, to model for us a way to live, but essentially also to say to, to, the, to Father, to God, the Father, I'm going to be obedient to whatever you say. Like I'm, I'm, it's not important about all the things I want this moment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow your lead. I'm going to have you lead me on this journey. And he was a living sacrifice showing us how to do that. Um, when it comes to our actions, you know, we, we all have um, choices every single day that we make. And uh, I told a joke for service. Nobody laughed. So I'm going to spare you guys the awkwardness of not telling that joke. <laughs> all right. But essentially, here's the punchline, right? Um, everything happens for a reason, people say, right? And sometimes that reason is because we make stupid choices and bad decisions, and the results and consequences are of those decisions that we make. Um, so when we say, yeah, everything does happen, and sometimes it's just a bad choice that we made. Because uh, the truth is, you and I, we're all just one decision away from messing everything up in our lives. Uh, one decision, one action, one choice to mess it up. The good news is you're also just one decision away from making everything better. You're one decision away from having things improve. Um, the choice is yours. What way are you going to go? Because here's what I know about life. Um, everything in life is an exchange, right? Uh, as, as, as human nature and as humans and even as Americans, I think we have this idea that we can have everything, all that we want, whenever we want. And we think we just keep, keep stacking things upon each other, right? So we say we want this. We'll believe in this, and we'll take this ideas, and, you know, this sounds really good. That feels good, so I'm going to do this. And, you know, everything's acceptable. We can do anything we want. And, and at some point, I think in our, in our minds, I don't know what it is, we just assume that um, everything we want we can have and everything, and, and we can do whatever we want, and it's, it's gonna, well, life's still going to work out. Well, here's the truth. Every yes that you make always comes with a corresponding no. Everything. Every yes, every decision you say yes to, there's a, something else you're saying no to, right? So you don't have the money to buy something. You go and put it on a credit card. By saying yes to debt, you're now saying no to a little extra money because of the interest and because of whatever else that, in that month, right? So you're saying yes to this thing, but now you're going to have to say no to, to the future of something. So you're essentially borrowing from the future to be able to have something for now. So by saying yes now, you're saying no to something in the future. If you go home and you don't uh, want to go to sleep Early, you say, you say yes to staying up until 3 in the morning, right? Well, you just said no to a healthy good night of sleep, right, that, that night. Um, so everything you say yes to, you're also, there's a corresponding no that comes with it. Um, we always exchange. We're always exchanging for these things. And Paul, in the scriptures, it makes it very clear. Um, there's a tendency for us to climb up on the throne of our lives and say, I am Lord. I'm master of everything. And God is saying that life doesn't work that way. You're free to do that. You're free to be your own, your own God and worship yourself and do all that, but it's not going to work out the way you think it is because um, everything built, focused on self, always implodes, right, because you can't go anywhere. You're not big enough for it to go beyond you. And he's saying it won't work that way. So rather, exchange, you climb off the throne of your life, and you need to climb onto the altar that God says, trust me. If you'll sacrifice, if you will lay down your rights, if you will trust me, you'll surrender, things will work out better. You'll get the right order. Let me be God. And I'll lead you on this journey. I'll make it amazing. So we're, we're exchanging things. Uh, Paul got this. Jesus got this. A lot of the disciples got this. 
Uh, Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 10.31 when it comes to actions, when it comes to our lives. So, whatever you, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So Paul's saying whatever it is, if you're eating, if you're drinking, whatever the work you're doing, whatever you're doing, do it all for the glory of God. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever it is, the words you speak, the actions that you're, you're, the choices you're making, do it all giving thanks to God. In Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Paul is saying, hey, this life, essentially God is watching to everything we do and he's going to reward us. So live in such a way that you're saying, I'm not doing this just for me. I'm not doing this just for my family or my spouse or my boss. Like I'm working as unto the Lord. He's saying this is the kind of, of, of life God has wanted us to, to live, that we're saying, God, as, as, um, as a follower of you, I want my life to make a difference in this world. I want to, to work as if, as if it was unto you. John uh, 14, 15, Jesus says it like this. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Now, if you think of church as religion and rules and things you have to follow, the way you would read this is like, well, if you love me, you're going to be better obey my commands. That's kind of the religious way of reading it. But really, the way I think it, of it is like this. Jesus is saying, if, if you have a relationship with me, if, what, if, if you understand me and have know my heart for you, the, the overflow will just be the, the, the ability to follow the commands that I ask you. Like when, when you know somebody so well, you can trust them in any area of your life. When they ask you to do something, it's very easy to say, yeah, I can do that. No worries, even if it's hard because you have a relationship that you trust that person. So in this, when, when Jesus is saying, if, you, if you're living in such a way that Paul talks about, Jesus talks about, he essentially saying, if you know the, the relationship and you, if you know how God is a good God, and he's asking you to do something for your benefit, for your good, you'll be able to follow the commands. In fact, I think you can fulfill the commands in the Bible better by falling in love with God than by trying just to obey all the commands. See, I think too many people live life just trying to obey everything the Bible says, but they miss the point of the, 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 the commands in the first place. That's for us to have a relationship with God, to have a healthy relationship with him and healthy relationship with other, others. And when we follow just out of obligation and out of, out of religious duty, we actually miss the relationship that God has for us. And he's, over and over, the scriptures point out, it's about healthy relationships. It's about healthy relationships with God and with others. And so when we have a relationship with God, it's easier to, to follow his instructions because we trust him, because we love him, because we understand that he has our best at mind. And so essentially we just, it's an, it's an overflow and out, out, out of our hearts, out of our lives is where it comes from. Um, in fact, the Bible, when it, when it comes to um, you know, uh, following his commands and, and, and doing what's right, I think one of the challenges we have as humans is we don't always feel like doing what's right. I'll be honest, sometimes I don't feel like reading the Bible. I don't feel like praying. Sometimes I don't feel like loving my wife. Sometimes I don't feel like being my, my kid's father, right? Sometimes I don't feel like certain things. But here's the, here's the thing about the Bible. The Bible gives very little, very, very little, waste of little time on our feelings because it knows something about our feelings. Although they're good indicators of what's going on, they're really bad, uh, giving us bad direction and, and, and um, a dictator in our life because it'll mislead us and it'll cause us to do things uh, because we don't feel like it. And so in our lives, we can't, we can't rely only on feelings. So now worship is a choice. It's not forced. But our worship should also not, it should not be conditional where we say we're only going to worship when we feel like it. Because if we do that, honestly, there's going to be a lot of, a lack of a lot of relationship with God and, and opportunities to worship God. Rather, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not based on feelings, but it comes from a place of commitment. That's, that's what when we're guys talking about worshipers who are in spirit and truth, it's a place of commitment saying I'm making a choice to worship you even when it's not going my way. 
even when I don't feel like it. So here's the truth. We can act our way into a new way of feeling much quicker than we can fill ourselves into a new way of behaving. See, too many people wait for their feelings to line up so they can start acting right and behaving right, and they wait for a really long time because it might, might happen eventually. But it's, I know the truth. this is that if you will actually begin to act your way and say, even though I don't feel like this, I'm still going to choose it, before you know it, your feelings will actually begin to catch up because you're saying feelings are not going to master me. Feelings are not going to be the thing that dictate what I do and what I don't do. It's a choice. Eugene Peterson says like this about worship and about feelings. Worship is an act that develops feelings for God, not a feeling for God that is expressed in an act of worship. Catch the difference there? We don't come and like come to church and be like, okay, I feel like worship, so I'm going to worship God because it's great. No, no. Rather, it's an act where we say, all right, God, as I worship, in that process, I begin to realize how good God is. Because it's not out of a feeling, but it's out of a choice that we make to say, God, you, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to, I'm going to honor you and what I do. See, over and over the Bible, it, it, when it talks about our, our worship in our heart, um, it, it says pay attention to this. Because the external is important, but it's always the outflow of the heart. So in worship, when it comes to um, our, our words, Jesus says, out of the mouth, the heart speaks. So essentially, the things that come out of our mouth, they're actually coming from within our hearts, what we put there. Like nothing just spills out on its own. It's because we've put something there, and now it's coming out. So pay attention. You know, know what's in the heart. You pay attention to your, to your, to your mouth, what you're saying, the, the actions of your mouth, the, the things that you're doing, the things that you're communicating. It's coming from somewhere in your heart. Pay attention to that. Um, when it comes to um, our, our, the way we handle our, our resources, finances, our time, the Bible says that where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be also. If you know where your heart is, you look at how you handle your time, how you handle your finances, how you manage that. It's an indication of where your heart is. All the externals are just an indication of really what's going on the inside. And, and the thing is we can't allow feelings to tell us what to, the, to do. The, we can't wait for the feelings to tell us what to do. We have to tell our feelings to submit to what we know is the right thing and, and do what, what God's asking us to do. Um, I think one of, the, the, one of the best ways to see um, what's really inside of our heart is when things aren't going our way. Uh, when our week is not going the way we want it to go, uh, when, when, when things are a little stressed, when there's some stress there. Like that's an indication of when you're shaken a little bit, right? When your life is just has a little bit of shaking, like what spills out? Uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible of, of worship and, and this moment where, where these, um, these two men turn their attention to God in the middle of that, a moment like that, is, is Paul and Silas in Acts 16. Uh, the story goes, Paul and Silas... They're, they're walking in, in, through, through, through different parts of the, the world, uh, starting churches and, and telling people about the goodness of God and telling people about what Jesus did for them. That he died on the cross and that, that there's a better way. And so they begin to walk and, and talk about the power of truth. And, and then they, they said there's a demonstration of power that followed that. People were getting healed. People were being re getting recovered. And in one instance, um, people that were demon-possessed are free from the possession. And in this one story, they're in this one, this one town and as they're going through, they encounter this young, this young lady, and she's possessed by a demon, and the demon um, gives her the ability to, like, psychic abilities to see uh, people into people's lives. And uh, her, her master uses, she has this, this young lady has a master who uses her for profit, right? So he sells her and, and her services and all that. And so Paul and Silas come and encounter her, and they begin the discussion, and they pray for her, and they, they, they free her from this oppression, from this demon that's been, uh, that's taken over her life for so long. And she's free. Well, for her, it's great. But for the master, he's a little upset because now they just took away his, their, his ability to make money off of somebody else. 
So he's so mad, he gets a crowd riled up, and he gets them stirred up and starts to make false accusations against Paul and Silas. And eventually they, they get a mob, and they get him into court, and they can't figure it out. So they essentially they beat him, um, they whip him, and they beat them, and they put him in prison. And then while they're in prison, this is what it says. The next verse after it says they beat him and whipped him, it says they put him in prison. This is about midnight. At about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. In the moment, they're in this moment in prison. I don't know about you, if you can put your mind there, if this was you today, right? You've been all day walking around, and you've been the last few weeks working really hard to help people understand that God loves them. But you're fighting against a culture that just doesn't accept what you, what you have to say, even though they're seeing the demonstration of power, right, of lives being changed, of, of, of people being set free from addictions and uh, being healed from diseases, all these things. But they're still so opposed because your message is, is, is challenging some of the norms that culture says. And you've been working so hard to help find people that are looking, that are desperate for change in their lives. And you go and you meet this young girl and you fear from a demon and now she's free. But then your reward is you get whipped and beat and thrown into prison and all these false accusations against you. I don't know about you, but sitting in that prison, um, I'm not sure what your mindset would be. But I, w- I would be thinking at times like that, maybe, maybe it'd be more like, man, God, don't you know what I've been doing for you all this whole last couple of weeks? And my, I'm using my life for good. And I was doing good, and this is my reward for good. And I was working hard, and in the middle of what didn't look like what was right at midnight, right, the dark, one of the darkest times of the, of the day, it says that in that dark moment, what did Paul and Silas do? Instead of focusing on, wasn't, on what wasn't working, instead of focusing on what was wrong in that moment, instead of focusing on what wasn't, what wasn't right and how maybe unfair it was, it says that they began praying and singing hymns to God. Praying and singing hymns to God. What does that say? These are worshipers that say no matter what, where we find ourselves, whatever circumstances, we're going to turn our attention to God. Because even though this doesn't look like, it doesn't seem like it's working out for us, we know God knows better. And essentially, Paul's attitude was, and his, and his perspective, and his posture towards life was, God, I'm going to trust you even when I can't see what's going on. When, when it doesn't look like things are working out, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my focus on you, my attention on you. I'm going to look to you for help. And it says in the middle of that, God responds. And it says their chains were broken and loose, and the prisoners were set free because of their worship they had an impact in their life see i think the greatest test of what's inside of us is what comes out when we're tested when we're driving down the road and somebody does something right makes us mad when when our life is shaking a little bit what is spilling out of us out of the mouth the heart speaks right it's an indicator what what is our response how do we view things um and and i think that's a gift whenever you're tested whenever you go through a temptation whenever something happens in your life you could, you could think of it as, why me? You know, why do I have to always go through this? Or you could think of this as, wow, this is a way for me to figure out really what's on the inside. And I think Scripture points to that, that the, the reason God allows us to, to face tests and trials and things like that is to expose something on the, in, on the inside, not to hurt us or harm us, but to show us that there's something there that's not right that needs to be fixed. So the Bible says that he tests us with praise. So when you're successful and people begin to praise you for your success, how do you handle that praise? Do you get hot, like proud and, and haughty and think you're better than others? Well, that, that just exposes that there's not a right, the value is wrong inside of you when you begin to act like you're better than others because of success, right? So he's saying in, in praise and in success, you'll be tested. What's there? Um, the Bible says in our, the way we handle our wealth, our material things, it's a test of really where our heart is. 
what we, how we allocate our finances. And this is why, why a lot of times God is saying in the Bible, be very careful when you're doing things in your life, put me first. Because if you put me first, what you're saying is I want to have the right value. And then I'll, everything else, the other part of it, I'll trust you for the rest. And God is saying just trust me in those ways. So with wealth, with power, when God gives us a little bit of authority and ability to lead others, it's a, it's, it, when we have those moments, it shows what's in our heart, how we handle others, how we respond to others. When we face challenges, when we go, when things aren't going our way and we're going through something difficult, right, it exposes the heart. So in the middle of the tests, really it exposes what's on the inside. We get shaken a little bit. What comes out? In this moment, we see Paul and Silas, when they were tested, what came out? Prayer, worship, praise, thanksgiving to God. That wasn't an accident because somewhere along the, 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 their journey, there was something in their heart that says, God, you're more valuable to me than whatever's going on in my life at this moment. Your kingdom is more valuable to me than whatever I have to face. And Paul was able to face a lot of difficulties because he knew those difficulties were producing not just for him but for many others the ability to know something better in life. Your life can produce healthy things for others in your life if you'll just stick it out, if you'll push through even when it gets difficult. Temptation, and here's the truth about temptation. It's, it's not a test of our strength or our self-control. Temptation is always a test of your relationship. When you face something that's difficult and you have to make a decision, it's not about are you able to overcome that. Rather, it's what do you believe about that person, about God, about yourself, about others. That's really the test. It's not so much, do you have enough self-control to do this or, or, or strength to overcome this? No, it's what do you really believe about whatever it is you're facing? It's about, it's about what's in the heart. See, because I think in, when it comes in life and temptation and the exchange that we have to go through, right, we're, we're trading things. Um, it's easy to say no to something that's not better than what I already have. So if somebody comes and says, hey, I have this little junker car. You want to trade for your nice car? I'm like, well, no. Why would I want to trade like a, something that has less value than what I have? It's easy for me to say no to that, right? Here's, I think, the challenge a lot of times is, is our values get out of whack. And so we start putting values on things that we really don't even know if there's value there. We just assume. Um, so it, since Harry and I, May, we celebrate 17 years of marriage. Um, if somebody came to me, oh, yeah, that's good. Thank you so much. <laughs> First service didn't do that. So good job. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, if somebody came to me, specifically another woman, and pro- pro- uh, proposition, is that the right word? Proposed. Pro- <laughs> Anyways, yes. Wanted a relationship with me. All right, that better? All right. Came to me, wanted a relationship, wanted to build a relationship, right? For me, when, when, whenever somebody offers me something that I know is less valuable than what I have, it's easier for me to say no, because I know in that moment, if I'm going to go off of feelings, if I'm going to go off of pleasure, if I'm going to go off of what feels good for the moment, I might chase that relationship. But at the end of the day, when I say yes to this, can you imagine all the things I'm saying no to over here, like healthy relationships with my kids, a healthy relationship with my wife, because I'm saying yes to this, then I'm saying no to this. But if I say no to that, what I'm saying is 17 years of marriage, all the work that's gone into that, I believe in that. Beyond that, 20 years, 30, 40, 50 years, I'm looking forward to that because there's so much more value for me there than over here. So when this opportunity comes, it's not very hard for me to say, that might be fun for a moment. That might be really, you know, engaging for a moment, but just a moment. 
because it can destroy everything over here. So I say no to this so I can say yes to this. So when God is saying, when you follow me and obey me, your values have to be correct so that when you're faced with something, you have the, the right value of what that is. And you're able to say, okay, I think culture says this is so valuable, but God's word says that's actually not valuable at all. This is more valuable. So when we're faced from, with things from culture and we want to like say, I can have everything, right? It'll be okay. I'm going to say yes to this and yes to this and yes to this and yes to this. My life's going to work out. No, it's not going to work out. Your life's going to be a mess and it's going to all be mixed up because by saying yes to everything, you're saying no to a lot of things, especially the right things and the healthy things, and you become unhealthy. So if you have the right values and you have, you have the correct value of, of approach to life, it's easy to say no to those things that come because really that temptation and that test, it's really just saying, what do you value? Are you going to trust God in that relationship? Are you going to protect your relationship with your spouse or with your kids by saying no to these things? Or are you going to give in because it feels right, because it feels good for the moment? And too many people in our world, they're just saying, what feels good? What feels good? I want that. All right, that's going to help me feel better for the moment. I'm going to take that. And they exchange. This is what people in Romans did. They exchange the things that God has for them for a momentary human feeling, emotion, temporal pleasure. And they miss out on all the other stuff that God has. And the decisions we make... They just keep building upon each other. And when we, don't, when we don't value what God values, we choose things that actually cause that hurt us. And this is what I love about the scripture so much. When God's asking us to do things, it's not because he's saying, I, I, I don't want you to have fun. I don't want you to do these things because um, I'm, I'm, I'm a prude God and I don't, I don't care about life. No, he's saying there are certain things that when we, when, we at, when we assign the wrong value to it, it leads us down the wrong road. And when our life is built upon the wrong things, the results will not be what you think they are. Adam and Eve, you can eat of any of the fruits you want, just not this one in the middle of the garden. And what did, what did the, the enemy come to them and tempt them and said, hey, how much do you value that relationship with God? Why don't you rather take some pleasure and do this for the moment? And the things that he promised them were not the complete truth. Their eyes were open, but it brought everything that God said it would bring, death to relationships. Because they, they failed the test of relationship and trusting God. True worship is saying, God, I'm going to do what's right even when I don't feel like it. I'm going to do what's right even when the circumstances don't, aren't working in my favor. I'm going to do what's right even when I feel like I'm in prison. Anybody have a job like that? Sometimes you feel like you're in prison. And I hope, hope you don't, but some of you might. Like, man, I go to work on Mondays and it just feels like a prison. Like the people around me, all that. Well, let, let me show you a, a scripture in, in Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, 3 says this. Uh, and the context is God's going to comfort those who are, who, are, who are mourning, who are sad, who are going through something difficult. And he says, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Here's the exchange God is always trying to make. If your life decisions you've made have become ashes, they, things have burnt up and, and the bridges have been burned down and things just are in, in, in ruins. He says, I want to exchange your ashes for something that's beautiful. Like, let me exchange. You're mourning. I'm going to give you oil and joy instead of mourning. And then this is the one I want to focus on today is, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Another translation says a spirit of heaviness. You know, if, if, if your job does feel like a prison sometimes, a lot of work, you know, throughout the week it might feel like it gets more pressure, more stress, heavier and heavier and heavier. Can I be honest? Sometimes my weeks are like that. This is part of why I love Sundays so much is because Sunday is a reminder of saying, hey, you're not meant to carry all that stuff on your own. 
It's God's way of saying, hey, get back, get back in, in alignment with what I'm trying to do in your life. Because on Monday and Tuesday, you know, everything's coming at you. Everything's coming at you. By Friday, you're like, okay, I need a break, right? And then your weekend comes, and it's like I have a breather. And then Sunday, we start our next week, and we're saying, God, I put my attention to focus on you. Well, if you're in those position where you have this heaviness on your life all the time, if you don't have a way to restart and re, re-engage with God and what he's doing, it could be overwhelming if you're carrying that for months at a time. Because I think the value of Sunday mornings is us coming together and saying, all right, God, I'm going to focus my attention on you. And I'm going to let go of those things that I'm not even meant to carry anyways. I need your help with it. And he, he takes off that pressure. But notice this, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness, a spirit of despair. They'll be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for, a display of, to, for the display of his splendor. Or another translation says, like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his glory. So he's trying to do something in our lives to show there's something good that God can do in the middle of our lives. But he says, but he wants to trade the garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. Sincerity, can I borrow your little shawl thing real quick? Yeah, that'd be good. So, garment of praise, spirit of heaviness. Paul and Silas are in prison, right? Thank you. It's going to be pretty. So, Paul and Silas are in prison. And if, if, if I would, for most people, they'd be like, this is a heavy moment. This is not good. I've just been beaten. I've been whipped. I've been beaten. And I've been whipped. Let that sink in, right? Like, you have been abused. You've been hit. You've been hurt. You're sitting now in a cell chained to a wall. You're not free. You are a prisoner. Things are not going your way. And instead of focusing on the heaviness, instead of focusing on the spirit of despair, it says that they begin to praise God. This is what the, 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 the verse is talking about. They, they exchange the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. It's like they're, they're I guess this would be okay to do. It's like their, their heaviness, right, that their life, they're like, I'm going to take off this heaviness. Oh, I hope this works. I didn't do this for service. Oh, oh. I'm going to take off this heaviness, right? Because that's the reality of what they are. It's heavy. It, 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 that's the truth. It is not fun. It's not good. But they said, rather than focus on the heaviness, I'm going to put on the garment of praise. Okay, this might not be the way I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's not quite what I thought, but... It'll work. And I'm going to put on the garments of praise. And what do they say? They begin to say, pray and focus on God. I can only imagine that, that what they're sitting there like, God, you know, this is not fun, but we love you still. We know that you're going to turn around this for something really good. God, whatever's going on, you're going to, you're going to lead us to the right location, the right place to be able to make a difference for your life. God, we're so grateful that today we're able to do good. Yeah, it didn't turn out very good, but we still thank you. God, thank you for saying your son Jesus died on that cross in my place, so I could have freedom. And I can imagine Paul saying, God, forgive me, I am the chief of all sinners. Like, I killed people in the name of God because I thought they were on the wrong team. And I can imagine Paul beginning to thank God for the mercy that he showed him when he didn't deserve anything from God. And how God woke him up from his religious actions that were causing harm to everybody. And I can imagine Paul saying, all right, I'm going I'm to exchange the spirit of heaviness for a garment of praise. God, you're so good. Now, in your, week, in, in your daily life, this is what it looks like. On Monday, you have a meeting. It's not going your way, right? People keep piling stuff on your desk, and you just don't like how things are going. And it's heavy. And there's a spirit of maybe despair, like, man, things are just not going to work out. What if in that moment you were like Paul and Silas and said, you know what? I'm going to take off the heaviness. I'm going to get rid of that for a moment. And, God, I'm going to just focus on what is in front of me. 
What do I have? Instead of complaining about my job, I'm going to say, God, thank you for a job. I'm sure there's a lot of people in this world would love to have the job that I have. God, thank you for the car that I have. And notice how this, this whole theme of worship is, is really about acknowledging who God is, thanking him for what's there. Why? Because our hearts, when we thank God, when we acknowledge him, our hearts turn from selfishness to saying, God, there's something more out there. And instead of being focused internally and, and, and um, it, only on ourselves, we begin to say, God, what do you want to do in my life? How do you want to use my life? And we put on the garments of praise. And I, I, let me just tell you, the garments of praise are so much better than the spirit of heaviness. The garments of praise are so much better than the spirit of despair. You're free to keep the spirit of despair, to keep the spirit of heaviness, but you don't have to. The Bible says you can exchange. If you let me come in, I'm going to take your ashes and I'm going to give you beauty. I'm going to take your heaviness and I'm going to, I'm going to give you garments of praise to be able to break that. So if you want to know how to break, break the things in your life that aren't working, it's worship. It's praise. It's, it's thanking God. It's being, it's being grateful for what he's done. It's saying, God, I, I, I turn my attention from what's not working to what is working. I didn't do this for a service. I don't know if that was a good idea. So distracting. But he says, they'll be like great oaks in the lo- that the Lord has planted for his glory. And, and maybe the part of why I had, I had to show that illustration, because too many of us, we have the ability to change our circumstances Maybe not change our circumstances, change our posture and our attitude in the middle of our circumstances, but we choose not to because we'd rather complain. We'd rather have a pity, pity me party. Is that right? Did I say it right? Pity party. Yeah, pity me party. (laughs) Pity party. (laughs) They both work, I think. Um, And we choose that because we want to be the victim. We want people to feel bad for us. Paul and Silas didn't feel bad for themselves. They celebrated he said, God, thank you for considering us worthy to be able to do this. If you read the words of Paul, when he's suffering for Jesus, he's not saying, woe is me. He's saying, well, he says, woe is me, but that's a different part. He's saying, God, thank you for this opportunity to be able to bring glory to your name. Thank you that in this suffering, many people will come to know you. Because it's in those moments when you live beyond yourself that you make the greatest difference in this world. And God is saying, I'm looking for people who will make a difference in this world. And it starts with the right values in your heart. It starts with the right values so you can have the right actions. And our actions flow from where our heart is. And God is saying, if you'll trust me. So how do, we re- how do we beat and win the result cycle? Well, you don't just start with behavior. You start with your heart. God, you say, where, where is my heart at here? Expose it. Show me so I know. And then your behavior is you're saying, God, I want to make sure that I have the right behavior so that I have the right qual- the quality relationships that you want me to have with others, with things. And then you'll get the results that God wants you to have. It's us saying, God, we... we we want to have the right habits. We want to have the right actions. But you have to show us how to do this. So worship is the full life response, head, heart, and hands to who God is and what he has done. To who God is and what he's done. The reason I think a lot of people struggle with worship with, when it comes to worshiping God is they don't understand who he is and they haven't figured out what he's done for them yet. Because when you know who God is and you experience that and you really understand what he's done for you, all of a sudden now the response is, Wow. I get to live this life in such a way that can make an impact. I get to follow your commands and it keeps me away from a lot of issues and struggles. I get to make a difference in this world. Because when you know who God is and what he's done, it's a little easier for your head and your heart and your hands, your actions to follow. Because it's about relationship. It's not about religion. 
And if you come to church and you, you stand and you sit and you pray and you read your Bible out of obligation and out of, out of because you have to, you're missing what God is saying. Say, no, no, you get to do this. And when you do it with the right motives and the right heart and the right understanding, it's actually very, very freeing and very good. So when I come on a Sunday morning and I sing, you know, we stand up, we sing our songs. There's a physical, it's an actual physical act that I'm doing by raising my hands. Because I'm saying, even if I don't feel like, even if I don't like what's going on, God, in this moment, it's not about what I feel. It's not about what I want. It's about what you want to do. So I surrender my stuff, right? It's like I'm saying I surrender my heaviness. And God, I put on your garments of praise. I thank you for life. I thank you for what you're doing. Even though I don't understand what's going on, I'm going to trust you in the middle of it. I sometimes have to close my eyes because I'm distracted. Just so I can say, God, I want to focus on you. I don't want the things of the world to just keep overwhelming me and overriding me. So God, I'm going to put down the spirit of heaviness. I'm going to put the garments of praise. When we read our Bible, it's a physical act of saying, God, I want something more from you in my life. When we pray, it's a choice saying, God, I'm inviting you into this moment. See, worship engages our, our, our behavior, our, our actions, our body. And this is what I know. If, if, um, if we struggle, um, when we struggle to worship God externally on the outside, it's just an indication that something's out of order on the inside. If it's hard for you to focus and say, God, I, I give you my attention, I'm worshiping externally, reading your Bible, praying, it's just an indication that something on the inside is out of order. The same principle for relationships. If I struggle to tell my wife I love her, if I struggle to hug her, if I struggle to show her any kind of affection, it's just an indication that something's not right between us. So when I struggle to worship God externally through my actions, it's just an indication that something's not right. And I think that's a gift. That's not a bad thing. I think that's God saying, hey, there's something there we need to fix. There's something we need to address. So God, would you show me? So here's my, here's my challenge. Uh, my challenge is this. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. This week, just imagine with me, could you, could you ma- possibly imagine what it would look like a whole week that every single thing that you did, you would bring glory to God? When you're driving down the road and you're thinking, God, how can I bring glory to you while I'm driving? That could be a challenge, right? But it's possible. Maybe you put your music a little louder than the people yelling, right, or honking. You're like, this is such a good song. You know, oh, the overwhelming, reckless, something, something. Whatever. You get some music blasting. You're like, God, I'm going to bring you glory even as I drive. Yeah, you can go. I'll let you go. Hey, have a nice day, right? God, I'm waving these people the glory of God. When you work. And you don't like what you're doing, but you're like, God, I'm going to file these papers the best that I possibly can. I'm going, to, I'm going to decorate this thing the best that I can. I'm going to organize this thing. I'm going to create this thing. I'm going to paint this thing. What if we lived on a daily basis saying, God, whatever I do, God, I'm going to love my wife as if I was loving you. I'm going to love my wife to the glory of God. I'm going to love my kids. I'm going to, I'm going to manage the things you put in my life to the glory of you. I'm going to put you first in all things. God, I'm going to trust you. What would your life look like? If you live that way, I can tell you, it would look like Jesus and it would look like Paul. And I hope it would look like me because my desire is to say, God, I want to live in such a way that it's not about me and my pleasures and my needs and me, me, me. Because that's the challenge that I face just like you. It becomes about me. And worship is saying, God, it's not about me. It's about you. It's about what you want to do. And we invite him to lead us and guide us. Romans, Romans 12 says it like this. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. 
Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. So don't just go through the motions. Don't just fit into whatever's going on. Don't just go through the routines. Instead, fix your attention on God. This is worship. Instead, fix your attention on God. Paul's saying, don't just, don't just go with the flow. Instead, fix your attention on God. And then your worship will be, you'll be changed from the inside out. You'll readily recognize what God wants from you, and you'll quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture that always drags you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. When you realize that God loves you, he loves you so much that whatever he's asking you to do is for your benefit, for your good, you begin to respond a little differently. Like, okay, I can trust you in this. I'm going I'm to say yes to this because I know on the other side of this is going to be something really good. But as he's trying to develop well-formed maturity, he wants you to become mature and healthy. And he's saying, just trust me in this. See, Paul says in Ephesians, he says, he actually prays and says, I wish that you would, you would know and understand God's love for you. Because when you do, you understand how high, how wide, how extravagant, how great, the great things he wants to do for you and through you and in you. When you understand who he is and what he's done, it's very easy to worship him because you understand he's a good God. So I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but Jesus loves you. God loves you so much that he placed a high value on your life. And the value for your life was his life. He said, I love you so much that I'll stand in your place of punishment. I'll stand in your place of death because I love you that much. God loves you. And then he says, out of that, now learn to love me back. Learn to respond in that same way out of relationship. See, some of us in this room today, you don't know God. You don't understand his love. So it's really hard to say yes to things he's asking you to do because you never give him the opportunity or the chance to show it. Today, I want to give you an opportunity to change that. I want to give you an opportunity to say, God, I want to invite you into my life. I want to start a relationship with you so I can begin to test this and say, all right, does this really work? I promise you, do it God's way. Things work out way better than when you try to do it yourself. Do me a favor. Close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service. If you're here today and you would um, be brave enough and honest enough to say, and I've been doing this on my own for too long, I've been saying yes to the wrong things, but today I want to say yes to the right thing. God, I want to say yes to you. God, I want to exchange my ashes for your beauty. I want to exchange my heaviness and my despair for your your garment of praise, for, for your life. If that's you today and you'd acknowledge that, would you just lift your hand right there in your seat and say, that's me. I need God in my life. I need more of you. Can't do this alone. Awesome. I see quite a few hands going up. God cares about what we worship because we become like those things we worship. He's saying, worship me. Good things will come from you to you awesome anybody else one more opportunity is that you in this room you say this is me and i want to give god my life i want to start a relationship with him awesome all right for you that raise your hand i'm gonna lead you in a prayer uh, if you're a christ follower in this room would you join us in praying so they're not praying alone just pray this prayer with me if you raise your hand say this say father god today i invite you into my life i want relationship with you i want to know you I say yes. Help me. Lead me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on that cross so I can have a new life. I put my trust in you today. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate those that raise their hand. I saw so many hands that went up today. So good.